This episode is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Langling. Thank you so much for spending a part of your day with me and my special guest, who is Jen Nash. She has been in marketing and communications as an author, speaker, and executive coach for two decades. She's also built up a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio as a side hustle. She has also written a book that was released earlier this year, The Big Power of Tiny Connections, How Small Interactions Spark Awesome Outcomes. It is the perfect read for anyone who wants more out of life. Now, I am excited to hear about this book, Jen. So welcome, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. I'm so happy to have you with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. I'm super excited to spend a a, a few minutes chatting with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. So you do a lot of neat stuff. Now, I, lo- I love the, the whole real estate thing as a side gig. Um, so that's, that's awesome. But I want to know how you started. You've got this, the marketing and communications and speaking and writing. How did that journey start? You know, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, I'd probably say it started when I was 16. I lived, believe it or not, in Australia. And in Australia, they have this program. Before you graduate from grade 10 and grow into grade 11, because a bunch of kids will drop out in grade 10, they pass a specific test. And they give all these kids the ability to go and pick two jobs. And the whole country does this, right? So you pick two jobs and you go do each job for a week. Now, I grew up thinking I was going to be a vet, despite the fact I'm wildly allergic to all animals. And I know you love dogs. Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, I, I, I desperately love animals. But the problem is, is when they give you asthma and they make your eyes red and watery, what do you do? So I, of course, signed up to be a vet for the first week. And then the second week, I didn't know what to do. But my mom was like, well, the neighbor runs an ad agency and you like to draw. Why don't you go try that out? So the first week was a disaster. I had red eyes, couldn't breathe, but I loved it. I was fascinated. You know, the highlight was watching a parrot be operated on and blood literally splurting on the hospital walls. Apparently, apparently parents, parrots have high blood pressure. I felt like I came to my senses. I, I, you know, went into the second week at an ad agency, very excited. And every day I got to try a different job from account manager to project manager, to creative director, to, you know, all of the roles. And by the time I was done, I was just so in love with the idea that creative directors get to sit around and come up with ideas for, you know, perfume and cars and cookies. I was like, that's, that's the job for me. So fast forward, I got into Parsons in New York, which was um, a communication design or fashion school, depending on who you talk to. And I studied communication design there. And then that actually would normally have prepared me to be an art director, which means I take care of all the art and the graphics and the typography for the ads that we see online or off or on television. My problem was junior year, I realized that as I was doing my research, I always fell in love with the stories that I was reading and the headlines. And I was like, oh, it's not the art that I love. It's the words. I should be a copywriter. So... (laughs) Despite having realized this junior year, I finished college and and graduated and no one would hire me out of college because they all thought my portfolio was so pretty. They're like, why don't you want to be a designer? Why don't you want to be an art director? 
and I was headstrong and I stuck to my guns. And so that's how I ended up with my very first job out of art school being a financial reporter at Institutional Investor, <laughs> where my stories were all about million dollar real estate like deals that were being done all over the US and actually worldwide. So I, I, I did that for about a year and then I got lucky. One of my professors called me and he said, are you done playing around? Would you like to do what you actually studied? And uh, I said, absolutely, why, what you got going? And he was like, oh, I'm starting an agency. You know, you were good, we'd love to have you. So um, that's how I got back into advertising. And so I started, you know, writing and working for big companies, Fortune 100, Fortune 50. I've worked for everything from like Apple to Adobe to Citibank to TDA, to IBM, I'm trying to think of fun ones. Oh, I've worked on Porsche, I've worked on Audi, a whole gamut of fun brands. And uh, you know, I spent decades helping them build out their marketing plans and really trying to connect with their consumers. So I think that answers the question. It does. No, what an awesome journey. I I, I love how your professor came back to you. That's what you know got you spurred to go in that in that direction. That's that's a fun little tidbit. I like that part of the story. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think the fact that I was also making like pittance, like it's shocking what reporters make. Like I started, I mean, this is 20 years ago. I started at 34,000 and then I made senior editor because I was get, like sweeping the paper. I was surprisingly good at being nosy. So I got made senior, yeah, senior reporter in four and a half months. And they were like, congrats, you get a raise. I was like, fantastic. I can hardly pay my bills. And they were like, it's 38,000. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, advertising pays a lot better than- Yes, um, it does. Yes. Yeah. I have some friends that are, are reporters and they still make a pittance, just so you know. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. However, in hindsight, had I stuck with it, I think I would have found a way to like turn it into some sort of like a media thing. Cause I think the media celebrities do just fine. Yeah. 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 You probably could have went several directions, but it seems like, you know, you're where you're supposed to be now. Are you still doing, are you still doing the advertising? No, I, uh, I don't do the advertising. I really shifted. So in 2017, I really shifted to start doing more corporate coaching. I still did some marketing and branding. Um, I actually like dipped my toe into cryptocurrency. I did a lot of branding work for um, an ex-partner because at the same time, like when you love doing stuff like this, it's easy for you. So I kept going with that, but now I focus on um, executive coaching and corporate trainings, which are really exciting. It's all about storytelling and how when you lean into being audience centered, you know, every story gets to be more connective. And it's funny when you look at our lives, how being a good storyteller impacts almost every aspect of how we live. Yeah. So that's right. pretty much uh, and I focus. completely yeah. agree. I completely agree with that statement. <laughs> Um, and so you obviously do a lot of public speaking as a, as a coach and trainer. Do you do that? Have you ever been on like a different sort of venue, not corporate, but just in front of a group to, you know, like to public speak like a large venue as a, like a keynote speaker, anything like that? Have you ever done that? Um, I have not been a keynote speaker yet, but I definitely look forward to that being an opportunity in the future. I've no doubt. Yeah. I've no doubt that an opportunity will come. 
I only ask yeah. that because I've got some folks that I've talked to that they're public speaking or coaches and trainers. They've been doing it for years and years. And then they landed a TEDx talk and they were so super nervous and they had a lot of fear popping in. They're like, oh my goodness. So it's, it was interesting. Now, that's why I wanted to ask the question to see, you know, you've got all that background of speaking. And if you were on a stage that was much more global, do you think that any fear would pop into you or? Oh, for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anybody does TEDx and not like get sweaty palms. Like I have, I have a coach and a mentor and he's done a TEDx. Um, he went out and even though he's a masterful storyteller, he went out and hired his own TEDx coach just very specifically to help him prep like that like being able to deliver a talk without notes for 18 minutes that's a special kind of like I worked my butt off to get in that moment yeah oh, I don't absolutely. think anybody yeah 41% of the world thinks public speaking is worse than death <laughs> I know. so I, know. I, I I think most people would definitely not want to do that I personally love public speaking and I do get nervous every time, whether it's a small group or a large group, or I know I'm doing a live on Facebook or somewhere else, you know, virtually. And I do get nervous if I know that I am the keynote and it's me and whoever's watching it then, and then it might be people months down the road that are finally watching it. I do get nervous. My hands will get sweaty, but once I get going, yeah, I just kind of get into that, that flow. And then it just, it just turns into fun because you're talking about and sharing about something you're passionate about you know you know your topic and it comes across you are authentic and if you're sharing something that you're passionate about it's coming from your heart and you sound very passionate about what it is that you do you know, co corporate coaching and training and things like that so i am sure that that is conveyed to those that you are standing in front of i mean i'm, I'm assuming you you get some probably great feedback yeah, I do. And I, I love your, your guidance. I couldn't have said it better myself because I think it does make the whole presentation talk sharing whatever you want to call it that much more grounded and real for the people who are there because they can feel how passionate you are and they can feel as you drop in to your own enthusiasm. You know, do you have um, tips that you share with other people in terms of like how you get from that nervous, sweaty hand moment into the drop down state more quickly? I'm typically nervous right when I get out there. The tip I guess is I remind myself, Kim, you know this stuff inside and out because this is you, it's a part of you. This is your story. So just share it. There are people like you, share it. You're gonna impact someone's life just like someone once impacted yours with their story. Just be yourself and share it. Might, it sounds easier said than done. But that's how I, that's what I tell myself literally each time. Kim, you know this stuff. It's your story. Share who you are and they're going to connect with you. I think that's awesome advice. It's really beautiful, actually. Thank you, Kim. You are welcome. I wasn't expecting a question thrown at me. <laughs> well, you know, a little banter goes a long way. I have a feeling that your audience probably loves hearing when you share. I have good feedback. I do receive good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun. So, all right. I want to talk about, or I want to hear more about this book that's just been released for you. And you told me off mic 
that you're a brand new author, that this is your first book. It is. And I, uh, I am very excited about it. And it's, uh, it's interesting as we were discussing your background and how applicable it is, makes, makes perfect sense that you interview so many authors. Yeah, I was smart at the beginning of the pandemic. I literally enrolled in sort of a group writing class is not quite the word, but it was sort of some kind of a group momentum. And it all started with colorful sketches about what makes us unique. And each person had to sort of journey map their whole existence and then distill that into sort of a unique thought. And for, for me, I sort of came to the conclusion that my essence is I would aspire to be Mary Poppins. Like in a perfect day, if I could reach into a very small bag and pull out absolutely anything to make your day better, whether it's, you know, a six foot long sub for your entire office to feed on, you know, or the right bicycle wrench so you can lower your seat, you know, random things like the perfect safety pin to hold your dress in place, like all these sorts of things, like that makes me very happy. And that sort of took me down the path of how one of my special gifts is staying connected and leaning into deeper connections with people and how I genuinely have this sense that sort of behind every person is a gift, you know, a gift for themselves, a gift to the world, but also a gift to me. And if you can ask the right questions and engage, maybe you get to unwrap this gift. Um, And I think, I think there are a lot of people that share this philosophy, but not everyone. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's sort of like public speaking. People want to connect with strangers or people around them that they may know a little bit, not, but not very well, but they're hesitant. So the book is, you know, a love story of encouragement. You know, it's, you know, a giant, it's a giant like hug. You can do it. High five, get out there. And get more out of your life. Like I have chapters that are organized around the things that people want. Like, you know, tiny connections will help you make more money. Tiny connections will help you get a better job. Tiny connections can even help you get laid more. You know, it's like, how do you show up in intimate situations and be more vulnerable? Um, They'll help you become a better person. There's even a chapter on that because at the end of the day, we all want to be better people. I even have a chapter on how you could get invited to more parties. Like who doesn't want to have more fun in life? Like it's the simple stuff. <laughs> you know, and I've, I've not heard of a book like that. You've just touched on many different topics, which are it, it, to me, now I'm enthralled with it and I can't wait to, you know, get myself a copy. I like how you said that you, that, that exercise that you were given and you saw yourself as Mary Poppins with her, you know, her amazing magical bag of tricks. I love that analogy. I just thought that gave me a great, I'm a visual person. So I I often bring, I can visualize things. So I loved that analogy that you shared. And also I love how you said it's a love story of encouragement. That is so, I love how those words you've woven them together because that says so much in such, you know, just what four words, a love story Mm -hmm. of encouragement. How awesome is that? That, you know, that's a good tagline for something or an offshoot for a workbook or something else. I like that. I just tossed you a nugget, write that down. I am catching it. I am writing it down. (laughs) I mean, it's, it is, it is interesting because, um, 
you know, there's five major story archetypes in life, you know, and love story is, you know, the first one most of us think of, you know, then there's revenge, stranger in a strange land, rags to riches, you know, search for the holy grail. Like these are the five. And, you know, this, this book really is like, it's like support for the people that want more out of life, you know, and I truly believe that other people are the most powerful fast forward button for all your hopes and dreams and desires, right? Like the right person can make a call and you get X, whatever it is, right? And it's it's amazing. Like it's it's really amazing. And I think a lot of people just think, ah, oh, nah, that's not gonna happen to me. But why wouldn't it? Now, have you found during the, these months, well, we, we're in year two. So now we can actually- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. In the years of these of this pandemic, but did you find during that time, and especially your new your, I'm sorry, New York City, mm -hmm. um, did you find during that time when we were all very isolated, did you find yourself thinking more about just those topics that you were talking about, or did you feel really isolated, or did you start making more connections virtually, making those tiny little connections virtually? Um, well, there's a whole section in the book on basically how to how to like connect remotely, because it is possible and people are like, oh, we can't do any of that stuff anymore. I probably fell into the category of being somewhat depressed to extremely depressed. <laughs> I was going through, you know, the realization that my partner and I were absolutely not compatible. Um, COVID made that tremendously clear. And I realized how desperately hungry I was for deeper connection, you know, something that was relational, something that was value-based. And it actually sort of sent me on a journey quest for more. And it's funny because I was in a situation where all my physical needs were being met, but none of my emotional needs were being met. And I, I literally think I wrote this book because I was starving for connection. And so it was sort of, the book is um, part guidance, support, how to, but also tons of stories. It's really, really fun. You know, it's like I, I say it's must read, but it's really a fun read because every chapter I like has a section called, let me tell you a story. And it's basically like, how does this look in real life? Like, do people really have their wishes just magically met because of someone they met like a week before or whatever? I mean, there's a story about a guy who's um, dancing at gay pride in Sydney and he's always wanted to move to New York and he randomly is dancing next to a guy who is from New York and he goes no way man I've always wanted to move to New York swear to god the guy said hey if you need a place to crash when you're like trying to get a job you can crash at mine and you know three months later this guy finished university and moved to New York and crashed on this guy's couch for a month like people were just kind to each other you know it happens it does and happen that, I think yeah, we and forget we forget that because the focus of the world, it seems like in the media and all of that, the focus is always on negative and fear mongering. And that's the reason I named my podcast Let Fear Bounce. Because I can't tolerate the whole fear mongering thing and keeping that level of fear so high. We're not meant to live that way in that level of yep. stress and fear. We're not meant to. No, 
we're, we're not. And it's, it's, it's really unhealthy. And for me, it was an amazing and very hard realization that community and the people around you who, who feed your soul and feed your heart and feel, feed, you know, your three-dimensionality are absolutely critical. They're so important. They are. And yeah. if your circle needs to shrink to keep that healthy, that's okay too. I think that is again, very, very wise. Yeah. I think, I think it is interesting. Um, I am curious to see how this pandemic sort of impacts us because I think on one hand, a lot of us just, just want to be like, Oh, bugger it. I'll just get COVID and lean into this. Right. But then, you know, I read a whole other thing today on CNN about how they're finding all this stuff about long-term impacts on your heart. And I am, I'm blessed, incredibly blessed that I haven't caught it yet. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I feel like for most of us, it's going to end up being a giant yet. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, yeah, the, I don't know what to make of that, but I think you just have to lean into the fact that we're here on earth right now. Let's make the most of it. And if we can make someone else's day a little better, I mean, it's funny, like I was uh, a stepmom for 13 years to two kids and I totally missed out on so many opportunities to connect because I honestly had a bad attitude. I thought being a soccer mom was a terrible thing. And so having to drive the kids to soccer on Saturday morning felt like a chore. Had someone said every single person in that stall is either a potential party or a potential cocktail party or a potential um, job waiting to happen. And you have a bad attitude, Missy, you know, and I, I might've snapped out of it, you know, and I have great ideas for like you just move into a new community. What do you do that Saturday morning when you're at soccer? How do you overcome that horrible feeling of being the one on the sidelines? Um, I suggest making two pictures of mimosas, one virgin, one not, and showing up with cups and suddenly being very popular Saturday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> I wish I had done that. I would have had friends. Yeah, it's, so, it's I mean, interesting. It and I love that outlook that you have, you know, and if, if people can just remind themselves, hey, this is an opportunity. This isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily need to be drudgery. Yes. You know? No, it doesn't need to be drudgery at all. And I think actually you really have to be playful about it. Like people, people are like, oh God, like I actually have a whole chapter on like the excuses we make up. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm too tired to make new friends. I don't need to make new friends. My life's perfect. I don't, you know what I mean? All this stuff, or I'm so important, you know, nobody needs, like, I don't need to talk to them. They just want to talk to me because there's all sorts of pine, power dynamics when we're getting to know people. And I think we have to take that into consideration. And yeah, some people are incredibly busy, but I think at the end of the day, if you want change in your life, you have to find a way to make a little room for new people. You do. You do. I agree. Because we're not, we're not meant to live this life solitary. We're not, Agreed. that's just not that we weren't, we weren't meant for that. So I appreciate all your insight as we get ready to wrap up here. Can you please let folks know where your book is located, where they can find it? And if you've got a website, share your website. All of these things will be shared in the, um, the show notes as well. But if you could verbally let folks know where they can find you, that would be awesome. 
Thank you, Kim. That's awesome. So um, you can get the book in any bookstore. Just ask them to order it or go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. The Big Power of Tiny Connections, How Small Opportunities Spark Awesome Outcomes. Um, that's the full title, but you can just search for The Big Power of Tiny Connections. And um, my website is jennash.com. That's J-E-N-N-A-S-H.com. Super easy. And awesome. I am so grateful for your time, Kim. No, this was fun. I, I love hearing other people's journeys. And I love hearing your tidbits on how you shared about your book. And I just I just know that folks are gonna, they're gonna really benefit from it. And again, like I said, I'm looking forward to getting my own self a copy. So thank you so much for being with me today, Janet. And I'd love to have you on maybe a few months down the road so we can see how your book is doing and what other new project you might be working on. Cause I can, I, I can that. feel another book. I can feel another book coming. <laughs> <laughs> that is super kind. And I would love that Kim. You're awesome. And we can, next time we'll talk more about coffee and dogs. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. It. Have a great day, Jen. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.